0: Hey, can we just appreciate the worship team this morning? Like, that was... Thank you guys for everything you do. So I wonder, have you ever considered the moment when you first opened your eyes? You spent your entire existence in this dark place. It was all you knew. I found this video that we'll go ahead and watch now. It's of a baby opening her eyes for the first time... There's no sound, so you can say, ah, if you want. But you can kind of see as she adjusts to the reality. She looks around. She's a little curious. You're going to see it here in a second. And she's doing the Michael Jordan tongue thing. You see that? Her perspective would never again be the same. Look at that. There it is. All of a sudden, it's like, where am I? (laughs) What is going on? All right, well, I, I, of course, understand that, I know, she's adorable, isn't she? It's not one of my kids, but she's still adorable. I'm not saying my kids aren't, ad- I need to just shut up. All right, I'll just, I'm not doing this again. So I understand that cognitively, you did not comprehend what was happening when you first opened your eyes, but as you look back at that, you realize that that was the moment that everything changed. All right, we can take her off because no one's gonna hear what I have to say otherwise. But you would become aware of a world that would lead you to so much joy and you'd see such beauty, but also a world that would lead you to so much hurt. Once our eyes are open to new things, our perspective is often changed immediately and forever. For some, maybe uh, when you first met that special someone, when you saw them, or maybe it's when you realized how you felt about them, your eyes were open to a possibility that would change the course of your life. By the way, if you're here with that special someone, that was a great time for you to kind of like touch them or something and kind of get, I'm setting you up for this, you're welcome. Maybe it's the first time you saw the ocean or the mountains or the stars at night, big and bright, and your eyes were open to a beauty in this world you were unaware of or maybe to the God who spoke those things to be. But if you think about it, in life, our eyes are always being opened up to new truths, New realities, new perspectives. If we stop opening our eyes, we run the risk of staying the same and therefore missing out on what God is doing. And so this morning we are going to talk about what it means to ask God to open our eyes to the spiritual world. Are there unseen realities around us? And if so, what does that even mean for you and I? What do these spiritual realities mean? Well, uh, get a copy of God's Word in front of you, Second Kings chapter 6. Uh, good, I see some of you moving, but just so you know, like I don't put everything up on the screen because you need to have your own copy of God's Word in front of you. 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, we do have some in the back if you're, if you're a visitor or a slacker. Uh, here, here we are entering the scene where there is conflict between the nation of Israel and Aram. Uh, Aram is a region which is in modern-day Syria. That's right, conflict in Syria. Thousands of years ago... And there's still conflict in this region today. Well, let's see what's happening. We're going to start in verse 8, 2 Kings chapter 6. It says, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. So the king talks to his people, comes up with a plan, and decides this is where we're going to set up our, 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 our camp. Verse 9. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So there was this great show on for many years uh, called 24. And don't tell me it came back because Jack Bauer wasn't in it, so it didn't really count. But plot twist in this, there was always a mole in the counterterrorism unit. That meant there was always somebody who represented the the forces of evil, and they were working inside law enforcement to kind of reveal the plans. So there's a mole here, but of a different sort. And verse 9 says, the mole is the man of God. And he would send word to the king of Israel, hey, hey, you don't want to go there because the Arameans, that's where they are. He had some inside information. Elisha was powerful. Uh, And this is not Elijah, this is Elisha. Say that. Say Elisha. Some of you just spit on the person in front of you when you said that. But, but there's a difference. They're not the same person. It gets confusing at times. But uh, he is powerful because he had this connection with God. Look back in 2 Kings 6, starting with verse 1. Let's see how powerful he is. Separate story here it says The company of prophets, they said to Elisha, Look, the place we meet with you, it's too small for us. So let's go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and we'll build a place for us to meet. So they're saying, hey, we need more space. So let's go over to the Jordan. Elisha's like, go. And they says, come with us. He says, okay. So they went to the Jordan. They started to cut down trees. Verse five, as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head falls into the water. And he says, oh no, that that was borrowed. I borrowed that, and now it fell into the water. And the man of God just says, well, tell me, where did it fall? I'm like, over there. He takes a stick, throws it in there. The axe head floats up to the This is a powerful guy, right? Think about that. If you've ever been out and lost something in water, right? Dropped your keys or something like that. Wouldn't it be nice to just go, it's right there and just, "Mm," right? If somebody did that, you would be impressed. And so this is not a normal guy. And back to verse nine. So this Elisha is hearing from God who is revealing to him the plans of the king of Aram. And then he is passing that on to the king of Israel. So verse 10. 2 Kings 6, verse 10. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. So the king of Israel, right, he's got his mole here, and uh, he's benefiting from some inside information. Verse 11 says, this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Who's the traitor? He wants to know. He is furious. One of his officers had a response, verse 12. Well, none of us, one of his officers said, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. You see, word had gotten out that Elisha, uh, the prophet, had the inside scoop of the plans of Aram, the king of Aram. And so the king has a plan. You're gonna learn in a minute, the king's an idiot, but the king has a plan. He says, go, find out where he is, the king ordered. So I can send man to capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Well, so he sends horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night. They surrounded the city. So the king's all excited. Where is he? Oh, we found him. We know where Elisha is. Surround the city. Okay, problem. Elisha's literally known every plan you've ever done. Why do you think he's not going to know this one? You know, hello. And so you think Elisha's going to be ready for him. Well, verse 15 Says when the servant of the man of God got up and went out the early, went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? Well, that's surprising. Elisha wasn't ready. His servant gets up early, you know, grabs his coffee, goes out in the balcony, and looks and goes, "Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Look around, surrounded, just horses and chariots all around them. Runs in, probably wakes up Elisha. Elisha, Elisha, wake up, wake up. We're surrounded. Elisha is probably freaking out, right? Well, okay, time out. How many of us are in this situation right now? How many of us look around at our life and it seems like the odds are ever not in our favor? You see circumstances and it looks bleak. Maybe you're dealing with a difficult relationship or a family situation, a job loss, a financial struggle. Maybe a tragedy has hit you. Maybe there's someone you're praying for and it seems like, God, you're not answering this. What's going on? Maybe you just look at your life and you wonder, what's going to happen here? And things are not looking good. Well, this is important. I need you to name that in your own life. What is that thing right now that doesn't look good and you need God to come through? Because sometimes we just kind of give up on that. And I, I think of, uh, uh, one of the Star Wars movie, uh, New Hope, uh, episode four, uh, when uh, they're in the Millennium Falcon. It's okay if you don't know the context, you'll get it. And uh, they're about to go into an asteroid field. Right, this is not good. If you're in a big ship, you don't want rocks in space hitting your ship, right? That's you guys get that, like that's bad. And so uh, the droid C-3PO says uh, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is three hundred and three thousand seven hundred and twenty to one. See, we like to do that to God right away, right? We look at our situation and we're just like, hey, hey, this isn't going to work out. Hey, this doesn't. And and I don't know if you remember what Han Solo says to him. He goes, "Never tell me the odds," right? That's what God says to us. When we look and we say, look at this. this. This isn't gonna work out. And we start freaking out. God's like, don't, never tell me the odds. Like, I'm, it, it, it's gonna be okay. Time in. Verse 16 shows Elisha's response to the servant saying, we're surrounded. And I would underline these three words in your Bible. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Okay, hold on, Elijah, Elisha, see, I did it. What are you talking about? We are obviously outnumbered. Why aren't you freaking out? Well, Matthew 6, 25, Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Paul writes in Philippians 6, to be anxious about nothing. These are good thoughts and all, but practically not easy. So what does Elisha know that we don't? Those who are with us are more than those who are with them because I'm not seeing it. And so right now in your situation that you've named, Are you willing to admit that there are things that you're not seeing Uh, by now? You should all know that in a few weeks, my family and I will transition to Iowa. If you don't know that, then in a few weeks from now, my family and I will transition to Iowa throughout this process. One of the biggest challenges uh, for us is that we just weren't seeing it for the longest time. We, We had never considered transitioning in 2017. And when the opportunity came to us, it didn't make sense on paper. But it was so clear God was saying, take the next step. Take the next step. Through prayer, through his word, the counsel of others and circumstances. And I promise you I was nothing like Elisha because anxiety and worry were such a problem and still are. What's moving going to do to my kids? What if they hate it there? What if they don't fit in? And the words often said in the Bible are repeated here in 2 Kings 6.16 and apply to us. And that's this, do not be afraid. You are not alone. You're not out there by yourself. Those who are with us are greater, bigger, and more than the enemy. Whatever you face, he is more. So back to the text. Elisha just told his servant, don't be afraid. Those who are with him are more than those who are against. The servant's probably like, I don't get it. I'm not understanding. And then verse 17, which will come up on the screen, says this. So Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked around. And he saw the hills differently. He saw horses and chariots of fire. Now, what, what's a chariot of fire? I imagine it looks something like these images that will come up, right? Think about that. Would that all of a sudden get your attention? You've got all these human horses and chariots, and then you realize that there are more of those beings. I'm pointing to the back screen like that's helpful to you. Uh, they're more of those, sorry. Anyway, more of those kind of things just surrounded. It's kind of like, whoa. Awesome, powerful. So the implications of verse 17 are just astounding. It's saying that there are unseen realities. There are forces around us doing the work of God. That not only are there things about our situations that we're not seeing, but there are actually actual realities around us that are active and we don't see them. Okay, hold on, hold on. Rob, are you actually trying to say that there are spiritual beings around us? I mean, maybe it's a good thing you're leaving because you're losing your mind. I might be, but yes, there are. Uh, There are also spiritual spiritual forces that are opposing the work of God. And that's why we have to say, Lord, open my eyes. Help me see what I'm not seeing. Give me an awareness to what's going on around me. And so we're praying here this morning saying, open my eyes that I may see. And three things to open our eyes to. And the first one is this. Open my eyes to the reality of angels. figured I would let you write that down because I'm sure you're doing that. As much fun as it would have been to teach about angels, I, I, it's not something I can do for you here, but this morning. But you know how that feeling that we all get, and I get this where you're like, I want to get into God's word, but I don't know what to do. You know, it's okay to find something that interests you. You, you ever find, wondered what the Bible says about angels? Uh, start, there's a great site. It's called Google. and um, but, but, but here's what you want to do. You want to say, what does the Bible say? You want to see what the Bible says. You don't want to see what everybody else says about it. But do a study on your own and see what does the Bible say about angels and start marking up your Bible and start uh, a learning for yourself. The word angel literally means messenger. These are messengers of God. They are powerful. They are mysterious. We'll look at one verse about angels, and it's Hebrews 1.14. And it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who, inherit, who will inherit salvation. So one author says this about this verse. This is really good. This means that everything angels do everywhere in the world at all times is for the good of Christians. An angel who does something by God's assignment anywhere in the world is fulfilling the promise that God will work all things for the good of all Christians everywhere. This is a sweeping and stunning promise. All angels serve for the good of Of all Christians, all the time, they are agents of Romans 8.28. And Romans 8.28 says that God works all things for the good of those who love him. And so that's what angels are doing. They are working things for our good at the command of God. Angels are not human. Humans do not become angels. Do humans become angels? No, we do not become angels. They are distinct from man. They They are not created in the image of God. They obey God without question. They exist to serve Him, and by His command, they serve us, the people in this world, according to the purposes of God. And that's who Elisha and his servants saw. They saw angels, and angels are awesome. Almost every time they appear in the Bible, the people they encounter react in fear, and the first words, often, the angels say are, Do not be afraid. They are so awesome that in the book of Revelation, when the apostle John uh, encountered them, uh, he had to be told not to worship the angel he saw. The power of angels is incredible. In fact, Second Kings 19 records a single angel killing 185,000 Assyrian soldiers for the purposes of God in one night. But yet we think God can't handle the things that, uh, that come our way. But one of his messengers was able to kill 185,000 people. Angels can bring the judgment of God. They can aid in answering prayer. Angels can lead people to know Jesus. They are real and they are working. Well, there are a lot of angels? Well, Hebrews 12:22 says that there are an in, 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 in innumerable number of angels, angels. Jesus said that he could call down thousands upon thousands of angels. They exist to serve God. They are real and they are here. We should not worship them, we should not pray to them, because instead, we can worship and pray to the one who commands the angels. And so God can handle what you and I face. He doesn't need help, but how awesome is it that he has chosen to send spiritual beings to fight the spiritual battles that take place. What do angels look like physically? Well, you can do a little study on that, but it's not uh, often described in the Bible, but angels can appear as regular people. Genesis 19 records angels appearing as basic humans, and there are times in my life where I've had seemingly random encounters with strangers, and I walked away encouraged in my faith, and I was like, How did they know that? Or 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 why that was so perfect, and like God, thank you for and then I walk away and it was like, Well, wait a minute. Was that was that a person or was that was that an was that an angel? Because actually Hebrews chapter thirteen two says that we should show hospitality to strangers, because by doing so we may have entertained angels unaware. That's how awesome God is. There are probably times in your life when you have encountered an angel because God had a purpose for that and you aren't even aware of it. And so God, open my eyes to the reality of angels that it may build my faith, knowing God that that, that you have sent your ministering spirits to work on your behalf. Second thing, open my eyes to the schemes of fallen angels. So another great study would be on fallen angels, also known as demons. Here's a little bit of what we know from the Bible. There was once an angel, an archangel. He was uh, high up, and he was so beautiful and so powerful. And his name was Lucifer. And he rebelled against God because he was so beautiful and powerful. He decided he wanted to be like God. He's like, look at me, I'm pretty awesome, so I should just be, basically be just like you. And uh, he took a third of the angels from heaven with him in his insurrection. And of course, God snuffed that out with minimal effort He kicked them out of heaven and he's prepared hell as their permanent home. And they will spend eternity there eventually. One verse, Jude 6. uh, There's only uh, one chapter in Jude. So it's Jude verse 6 and it says this. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. You see, I don't want anybody to walk away from here being afraid of fallen angels, because though they're not physically bound, their destiny is secure. They exist to oppose the work of God in this world, but one day, they will be vanquished forever, for forever. Because sometimes, you and I, we tend to, uh, and this is a trick of the enemy, we tend to view the, uh, the battle between God and Satan like the yin and the yang. You guys have seen this before. Like there's this equal opposing forces and it's good versus evil. Yeah, it's not like that. Tell the person next to you, say, it's not like that. And here's why. Well, you, you, know, you, got, you got some proof. Like what? Yeah, how about Isaiah 46, verse nine? He says this. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. No one's equal to God. God doesn't have this, uh, you know, it's, he's not a superhero and he has his, his, his you know, arch nemesis and so forth. God is God. He is over everything. He can snuff out Satan and he will one day. And so the question at this point is why do we need to open our eyes to the reality of angels and demons if if they're defeated enemies? Why should we care? Here's a verse. If there's one verse that every person in here should learn, commit, and that is 1 Peter 5.8. And it starts off by saying to be alert and of sober mind. To wake up And to grasp this truth, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You know, in my final weeks at Eagle, my my goal is to to meet with certain people and to, to maximize my time that's there. And it's what you do when you have a short amount of time, right? You try to maximize it. And Satan, he knows his time is short. He knows he loses and will be destroyed. And he is actively prowling like a roaring lion. He is working to devour the work of God in this world. When God builds something up, he comes up with a plan to try to tear it down because he knows his time is short. Okay, hold on. You just said God has no equal, that he is stronger. So, yeah, but God has chosen to allow Satan to roam this world as a defeated enemy allowing people to make the choice if they will follow Jesus and live in the victory that he has won for them on the cross, that we just celebrated at communion, or to reject him and to give into the schemes of the enemy. I mean, maybe you've noticed that God's will is not always done in this world. Have you noticed that? And that's why Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because it's not because there's a, there's a battle going on, and that leads us to our final point, which is to open my eyes to the reality of war. If our country was at war and that war was here, we would likely know it, right? There'd be planes overhead, we'd hear explosions, and uh, terrorism has unfortunately changed that. You know, we, we can be at war and not know it. And you see what's happening in Europe right now, and you could be at a sporting event, or you could be on a bridge, and, and you just don't know what's happening. And I'm, I'm not advocating a... position and and saying we should be afraid. But the point is, in the spiritual world, you have to recognize that you're at war, whether you want to admit it or not. There is a real war going on around us. And that is why Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, right? The devil's a schemer. He's got plans, and we need to be prepared to fight. And next week, we're gonna specifically talk about the battle for our mind, and we're gonna expose some of his schemes. And so next week, when you're thinking about coming to church and you're not sure, consider that there's a scheme of the enemy that doesn't want you to hear that. But it all comes down to this. Open my eyes to the reality that there's a spiritual war around me. And what does that look like? Um, there's, a, there's a movie um, that uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to admit that I've seen or not, but there's a great quote by Kevin Spacey in The Usual Suspects. He says, the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled is convincing the world that he doesn't exist, right? And so if we can be blind to the realities, the spiritual realities, then he's successfully pulled off a scheme, right? And we wanna expose that, and so let's do that with Ephesians 6, 12. That our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I've got that underlined in my Bible. It is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so to be aware of the spiritual war, because maybe you're like, all right, I get it. What do I do about this? It starts with looking beyond the physical. And two major areas that we want to say, Lord, open my eyes to the unseen realities. And the first one is when it comes to people. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. Uh, That person who seems to always oppose you, it's not about them. There are forces at work, rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I wonder, have you ever experienced something relationally that was just irrational? You're facing opposition that makes no sense to you. Someone's behavior, some of you are smiling a little too much. You're like, yep. Uh, That just doesn't add up. I'm not saying they're not responsible, but look beyond the physical because your struggle is not against flesh and blood. And when God opens our eyes, We can see things differently and our perspective shifts. Instead of viewing a person our people as the object of our hurt and pain, we're recognizing that there is a battle going on, that there are forces at work. Maybe someone you love is caught up in an addiction or other behavior and it doesn't make sense and they seem to be in bondage. And what's going on? We'll look beyond the physical, that there are spiritual realities, unseen realities going on. But not only when it comes to people, but circumstances. Think about the thing you named earlier. It looks dark, that the odds seem against you. Look beyond the physical and consider there are forces at work behind the scenes. There are things you don't see, both good and bad. And so this week, probably about midweek, I was uh, kinda, I was having this bit of a breakdown and I was facing opposition and, and there, was, there was discouragement coming and it was coming from people, it was coming from circumstances. There was doubt that was coming. There was distraction, there was division. And I, I went to one of my quiet places and I had to get perspective. And God showed me, he said, well, what do you think's gonna happen? You're, you're speaking a message on the realities that are unseen, but yet you're not aware of the unseen realities around you. And I had to get my perspective off of people and off of circumstances. And I had to put them on, on the Lord. And we'll talk more about what we do in these situations in, in just a second. But the point is our opposition is numerous Throw uh, Ephesians 6, 12 back up on the screen because look how numerous our uh, opposition is. Not against flesh and blood, but there's rulers, there's authorities, there's powers of this dark world, there's spiritual forces of evil. That's a lot of categories. Our opposition is powerful. They are wicked. They have no moral code. They wanna destroy you like a lion who prowls around. They are clever, they lie in wait and are waiting to pounce. But do not be afraid because the battle has been won. Back to verses 10 and 11 of Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and put on the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord. Here's an incredible verse, Job 5.8. It says that he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. Job 5.8, let me say that again. He performs wonders that we can't even fathom, miracles that can't be counted. And so he's saying, put on the armor of God to take your stand against the devil's schemes. If you read the rest of Ephesians 6, you can learn more about what the armor of God is. But the idea here is that discouragement's going to come. Take your stand. Doubt will come. Take your stand. Distraction will come. Take your stand. Division will come. And there's two things we do in these situations. And the first one is to get perspective, to get our eyes off of the physical, to see that there are unseen realities around us, to see that there is a battle taking place. And the second one, and this is how I beat it this week, is prayer. We're gonna get really into this next week, but this is how we stand. We stand when we say to God, open our eyes that we would see, and, and, and let me just make this super clear. You're not gonna all of a sudden see what Elisha's servant saw. If you do, that's awesome, let me know, right? But you're gonna just become aware that this is what's happening. And maybe right, here right now you're thinking, man, I've been fighting discouragement for a while. And I, I, just, and I don't know what it is. Would you consider turning to God? And telling, asking him to fight those battles in the unseen places. Would you maybe get your eyes off of the circumstances that you face and, and the people? And recognize that there are spiritual battles going around? Because God isn't big on asking us to do things that can't be done. He's saying, take your stand because I'm with you. Because I do wonders that cannot be fathomed. Because I can do miracles that can't be counted. And so as you walk away this morning, the invitation is to consider the people in your life and the circumstances you face. To say, God, would you open my eyes to the things that I can't see? Would you consider that your struggle is not against the physical world, that there are unseen realities that are seeking to devour you? Learn scripture, learn 1 Peter 5, 8, and when things start piling on you, say, wait a minute, my enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he will devour, and I'm not gonna let him do that. I will take a stand, because he is a defeated enemy. You know, I I heard it said, it's one of those Christian cliches, but I still like it, and it's... uh, when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future, right? And so sometimes you're just feeling overwhelmed and it's just like, but he's like, you're no good. You're, you know, I mean, this is what Satan does. This is, this is great. He, he'll tell you, hey, you just do this. Hey, it's no big deal. Just once, it's not, a, and then you do it and he's like, what is wrong with you? You call yourself a follower of Jesus and he just whispers these lies. And we're gonna get more into that next week, but you know what you do in those times? You identify the lie and you replace it with the truth. And the truth is, he's going down. And I've said to him many times, you're not taking me with you. I'm gonna stand because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray that God would help us take our stand. But as we walk away, let's ask God to open our eyes that we would see. And so Father, thank you so much for the reality of your word. That through the the truth of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, that you can expose the schemes of the enemy the one who seeks to discourage, the one who seeks to distract, divide, and ultimately wants to devour us. God, would you help us to see beyond the physical? And God, forgive us for the times when we just said, told you the odds, and said, but it doesn't seem like it. And you're like, but I'm working, and you just don't see it. Behind the scenes. Open our eyes to the reality that you are working for us behind the scenes and and that that there is an enemy who is seeking to devour us, but God, you are greater. You are stronger. You do miracles that we can't fathom. I pray that the people within the sound of my voice would walk away recognizing the victory is won. Satan is a defeated enemy. Whom shall we fear? We don't have to be afraid because you are so much greater. So build our faith with that, but open our eyes to these realities that victory... um, would be something that we see regularly. Bring many back next week as we, as we get more specific on how to fight the battle in our mind. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, why don't you guys stand? We're gonna act-